0: Welcome to the BBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we press pause on our normal program schedule to bring you select sermons from the recent Bible conference in Tucson, Arizona, pastored by Harold Warner. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. Until then, may these be an encouragement to you. God bless.
1: Thank God. What a privilege it is to be a part of this great gathering. Pastor Warner, I congratulate you and Sister Mona on the wonderful work that God has done here. What a milestone. 50 years and all the impact. It is incredible what God has done. And I'm, I'm rejoicing with you in uh, seeing the work of God. So what a privilege that I get to be a part of this. Uh, God is doing wonderful things. In uh, our fellowship, you with the churches that you planted last night, just in the last five and a half months, we've planted 169 new churches throughout the fellowship, amen. And more to come tonight, we are making impact. I, it is my, uh, I, my belief if God can help us. In uh, through the rest of the year that we will be planting a church a day in our fellowship. And that is another milestone that we're rejoicing because those are places where God is going to save people. Good that God allows us to be a part of it. Thank God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Joshua. Chapter 14, there is a man named Yuichiro, uh, Yuichiro Miura. He first climbed Mount Everest at age 70. That was the first time. He climbed it again at age 75, and then he became the oldest person in the world to ever climb to the summit of Mount Everest at age 80. In an interview, Miota said, Mount Everest continuously calls to him. And that it is always on his mind. He says, "Everest calls to me." Miura shows no sign of slowing down, said he tries to plan, or he, he is planning on trying to reach the summit of Mount Everest again at age 90. In the text that we're going to read, I've chosen it on this great milestone conference. Because Caleb is at a milestone. It is 45 years after God had told them that they would possess the promised land. He delivered them from Egypt. He is at age 85. And he says, the mountain is calling me. Give me this mountain. And you and I on this final night, the 50th anniversary conference of the wonderful work that God has done through Tucson and all of your associated churches, what needs to happen in us is once again, we have to make sure that we are facing the mountain. I want to preach about facing the mountain. We're going to read Joshua 14, 7 through 14. Caleb says, I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought back, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly or completely followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore... Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. You heard in that day uh, how the Anakim or the giants were there, how the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said and Joshua blessed him, it gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh as an inheritance. Hebron became therefore the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he holy followed the Lord God of Israel facing the mountain I want to begin let's talk about facing God over time our text is a milestone it is 45 years after he went in to spy out the land he's looking back on 45 years of relationship with God it is wonderful to look back and remember and God wants us to remember the feasts of Israel God had deliberately designed, set times in which they were to look back and remember. The memorial stones in Joshua 4 and the Jordan River, in the middle of the river and on the bank uh, of the Jordan, they were to remember. We look back and remember so we can see if we're still on track. We look back and remember to see if we are still succeeding in our mission. And so here it is, a milestone, 45 years later, how do we determine whether or not we're a success? The first part of success is merely survival. You have to survive over time. Psalm 91.6 speaks about the destruction that wastes at noonday. It's not at the beginning. On into life's journey. There are some people that destruction comes. The only thing I do not like about being saved a long time. I've been saved since 1978. The only part I don't like about it being a long time. Is the people who didn't survive the journey with us. That's the sad part of every milestone. I've been a part of. Many anniversaries in different churches and my own churches in different times. The only part, you start gathering photos and you're looking there. Photoshop is the friend of every milestone because there are people, unfortunately, they have to be edited out because they are so destructive. Not only are they not here, but they're destructive to us. So Caleb is saying part of success is I am still here. That is a very valid thing. Right now, I'm doing a, a Sunday school memorial stones, telling the history of the fellowship, gathering photos, and often I'm looking at photos. I'm asking people, What happened to them? So you have to survive over time, you have to survive circumstances. There is not one of them when they began, when God first told them about the land flowing with milk and honey. I don't think there was a single one of them that thought that they would be wandering in the desert for 40 years. Life was, it turned out very different for many of them than they thought. And that is a part of life. Life has unpleasant circumstances that you have to process and you have to survive. Why were there so many that were not there with them 45 years later? Because there were struggles with water and food and giants and walls. And there were people that they couldn't process that. It's not supposed to be like this. I don't see any milk and honey. And they didn't survive. And then you have to survive people. Verse 8. My brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Over time there will be people around you. That will be involved in sin and violations and rebellion. They're going to want to infect you. They want you to join their sin, their rebellion, their nonsense. In the local church, there are people. They get saved. At some point, it's like I thought that Christians were supposed to have love. They discover that some people do not. They're not bound together. (laughs) They're filled with nastiness. And those are the people sometimes that we are with. Ministry, a couple that I I sent out, several years after I sent them out, I was just curious and I asked this young man, what's the biggest thing you've learned after several years of ministry? And he said, learning what people are really like. He's talking about, he didn't think ministry was supposed to be like that. So listen, 50 years is wonderful, longevity is not enough. You have to keep your heart right. You know how the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, miracle number one, they survived the fire. That is wonderful. But miracle number two, when they came out, the Bible says there was no smell of smoke. I've known people, they have survived the fire through the years, but you get around them, as like, bro, you stink. The fire has tainted you. Longevity is not enough. And our text says the problem. Some people have changed over time. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Some people are bitter. Over time, you get around them and they talk about violations and injustice and things that are not fair. Others are carnal. You get around them. They talk flesh. They talk money and movies and everything but God. Others, they are cold. Matthew 24, 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. There are people that they're still here, but they no longer love the things of God. They no longer love to worship. I still can't get my head around Christians who come to church and don't worship. I don't get that. People that no longer evangelize, people who are no longer thrilled by salvation, people getting saved, or what you saw last night, church planting, it no longer thrills them because they have grown cold. The Russian writer Leo Tolstoy, his marriage was filled with conflict and bitterness When they had been married 48 years, his wife begged him to read to her things he wrote in his diary about her 48 years previously when they were both madly in love. He began to read some of the things that he used to say about her and both of them wept bitterly because their love had grown cold. But in our text, in contrast to all that, we see the heart of Caleb. He is none of those things. Verse 9, so Moses swore on that day, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly or completely followed the Lord, my God. Holy, it means to fill completely. Here he is, 45 years later, he says, I am filled with God. God. I am still filled with God's will. Listen, is it still a thrill to... Almighty God has plans for your life. Are you still in love with the will of God? That is Caleb. He says, my heart did not melt. I'm not bitter. I'm not cold. I am still filled with God. Holy followed. Not partly God and a lot of bitterness. Not partly God and a ton of rebellion. Not partly the will of God and a lot of selfishness. Philippians 2, 20 and 21, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. He's not talking about I have partly God obscured by every other love and interest in life. Colossians 4.17, say to Archippus, take heed uh, to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. See, milestones. This conference is called Jesus People. It is not just nostalgia. It is where we take inventory. We remember, many of you can remember when you were young and on fire for Jesus Christ. We look back, not just look and, and laugh at old photos to feel a twinge of nostalgia. We line up with, do we still have that? Are we still filled with God? Are we, we still holy following the will of God Jesus people, that is people filled with Jesus. Are you still filled with Jesus today? Are you still filled with love for the will of God? You know, we had in Prescott, and I'm, I'm sure this has happened to Pastor Warner as well, but we would have people that for various reasons, they would be gone sometimes for decades. And then they would come back and they would hear Pastor Mitchell And they would come up to him and they would marvel and they would say, Pastor Mitchell, you're still the same. You're still preaching the same. They thought that was incredible. Life has gone on, but you're still the same. That is exactly what has to happen. We gather here to remember you must face God over time. Let's talk secondly about facing God through a man. The Bible principle is God through a man. Usually, God doesn't just appear to you personally and reveal himself. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that can't happen. You know, on occasion I've had people, the Lord appeared to me. Let's be honest, they're not people we would trust with our wallets, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. Usually, God comes through a man. You see, it was Moses who brought salvation to Caleb. Exodus 3.10, I will send you, that's Moses, to Pharaoh that you can bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Caleb was delivered from slavery, not by an angel, through a man. A man of God appeared one day and announced good news. This can happen through witnessing. I know it was... Frank King and Pastor Warner witnessed and handed some flyers at a business where Frank King was working. He got the flyer. He is saved today because of Pastor Warner's witness. Paul Stevens, after Renee got saved, it was Pastor Warner who personally witnessed to Paul Stevens. Or well, That may come through preaching. Many of you have been saved through the years through Pastor Warner one or one of the other staff through the years It is God through a man. God reveals his will through a man. God reveals his will as you are connected to a man. It was Moses who brought the good news of deliverance. It was Moses who led them. It was Moses who told them God's will. Verse 10, here is Caleb. He says, ever since the Lord spoke this word, To Moses. That is the Bible principle of God through a man. That is actually a foundational principle of our entire fellowship. Whenever there are people who accept that principle of God through a man. There is blessing and growth. That is what I'm looking at In this building and no doubt there are many, many congregations watching online right now. Wherever people accept it, God's will comes through a man that releases incredible blessing. Pastor Harold and Mona Warner, they came here and Pastor Warner did what his pastor taught him. It wasn't an angel that told Pastor Warner what to do. It was a man of God. And when he received that and reproduced it, now we see what God has done in Tucson and the associated churches. On the other hand, wherever there are people that reject that principle, I I just think that's, I don't, I, I just like to hear from the Lord myself. There are people not here tonight because they've rejected God through a man. There are people not here tonight because they had a better idea. That's, that's always the problem. There are people like, you know, Pastor Warner, you're good, but I got a better idea. Never mind that he's the one that got you saved. You have anything because of his ministry or whoever your pastor is. Now you got a better idea. Yeah, God threw a man. That's okay. But now I want God through me personally. And wherever that happens, there comes destruction. It's been 45 years... Since he first went into the land, think about this, Caleb is 85 years old and he is still referencing Pastor Moses. Four times in our text he refers to Moses who was his pastor. I listened to Pastor Warner's, I was in Guam but I listened to his uh, uh, Monday night sermon and here it is 50 years later I heard Pastor Warner still referencing his pastor. Because he believes in the principle of God through a man. Caleb demonstrates the power of discipleship. You know what Caleb had done? He caught a spirit from his pastor. It wasn't just, Moses, can you write down a few techniques for me? He caught a spirit. Think about this. He saw Moses and his brother showed up face down the most powerful military ruler in all the world at that time just two of them (laughs) what a man Caleb no doubt when he he probably was a boy when he heard this he's like this guy's crazy and I like him let my people go no don't make me bring out the stick he caught a spirit from him that he wanted he saw a spirit of courage a spirit of commitment a spirit of obedience and risk because that is the essence of discipleship it is an impartation of spirit first Thessalonians 2:8 so affectionately longing for you we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of god but also our own lives because you had become dear to us See, discipleship is spiritual reproduction. Caleb said, give me the mountain. You know what I'm going to do? I saw my pastor face down Pharaoh and the powers of hell. There's giants in there. I'm going to go do what my pastor Moses would do if he was here. That is what discipleship is all about. That is what happened in Tucson. Pastor Warner came. He has succeeded in reproducing the spirit of his pastor and passing it on to other people. See, our fellowship is unique. We are talking about Jesus people. We were not the only church. Prescott was not the only church that had hippies coming and getting saved all across America but what is unique about us is that a move of God became a movement and that is because of the local church and discipleship Pastor Mitchell made disciples. He poured his spirit into men. Jesus people live on. The Jesus people movement is not dead. The move of God still lives on because of discipleship. So here we are at 50 years. We're looking back. We want to know. You have to survive over time. That's the first part of success. Hopefully still filled with God. But the second part, at milestones, we have a very simple reference point of success. Do you have any disciples? Pastors, I'm asking you that. Do you have any disciples? I'm not asking, do you have a crowd? Don't tell me your numbers. I'm not asking, do you have talent? Don't tell me what you can do. I'm not asking, do people invite you to speak? Do you have people that call you pastor? Or even do you have more than others? Do you have any disciples? And let's be honest, in the Gospels, disciples has a very clear definition. It's not just a gathering of guys at the church. Disciples are to be sent. From the beginning, when Jesus chose these men to be disciples, he called them apostles, sent ones. He sent them. This is what we're looking at. 50 years later, do we have disciples? Are we reproducing? If Pastor Warner is your direct pastor, do you have his spirit? Or whoever your pastor is now on down the line, have you caught their spirit? Are you making disciples? And are you sending them out? Because this is facing God through a man. Let's look at one final thought. I want to talk about facing God's remaining task. The most important part of milestones is not actually what has God done. The most important part of milestones is the task that still remains. Because there was still land to be conquered. Joshua 13, 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. I thank God for everything that God has done in Tucson through the Tucson congregation and all of the associated churches. It is wonderful, and I congratulate all of you that are involved in that. But listen, I'm giving you the word from Joshua 13:1. There remains yet very much land to be possessed. Oh, thank God for everything that he has done. But the real issue is what is left to do. I tell you, there are still cities in the United States that need Jesus. I was looking on the map two days ago at where we do not have churches. Cleveland, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio, Lexington, Kentucky, Montgomery, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi, Trenton, New Jersey, White Plains, New York. Are there no workers to go to those cities? Thank God for all of us that are here in our churches. But there remains yet much land to be possessed. There are still nations. Thank God we are in 139 nations, I think, right now. And yet there are still nations we do not even have a single church. Bosnia, Herzegovina, 3.3 million people, not one church. Central African Republic, 5 million people, not one fellowship church. Eritrea, 3.6 million people without a single fellowship church. The nation of Egypt has 105 million people. Is there not one worker whose heart is stirred for the nation of Egypt? Latvia has 1.9 million. Mauritania, 4.8 million. And those are just a few. I am reminding you at the 50th anniversary, there remains yet much land to be possessed. Amen. But I believe that we are going to reach all of those cities and more besides. All of those nations and more besides. If we have the spirit that we had at the beginning, we are going to reach the land that is yet to be possessed. The 50th anniversary, I remind you there were still enemies to defeat. Verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. If you've heard in that day how the Anakim were there, that the cities were great and fortified, it may be that the Lord may be with me. And I'll be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He said, look, there there are giants that are holding these people bound. They have got to fall. They've got to be defeated. Listen, there are demon powers that still hold people hostage. Drug addiction is destroying America. America. I look at this, witchcraft has people bound. There are people still bound by a false religion that has no hope. There are enemies that must be defeated if we're to do the work of God. There is still a job to do. We look back to make sure that we are still lining up. But we look ahead to see where we need to be. This is God's call. You see, for those who keep their hearts right over time, for those who stay connected to a man of God, and those who stay committed to the unfinished task, in our text there is the promise of supernatural blessing. Verse 13, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. When he says, "I see the mount, the mountain is calling me. Give me the mountain. There, are, there are demons there. They must fall." Joshua blessed him. This is not a light thing. I passed it in South Africa. Religious people, how are you? I'm blessed. That's nice words. That's don't. I don't think that's what being blessed means. Blessing is a supernatural dimension. It is a supernatural dimension that enables you to overcome opposition. Judges 120, they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said. Then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak or the giants. Listen, being blessed means that there is a supernatural power that will help you. What is the supernatural power you're facing? Some of you, I understand there's more witchcraft per square inch where you live than anywhere in the world. But blessing can change that. Some of you, I understand it's more expensive than anywhere else in the universe. I get that. Blessing can change that. I'm talking about a supernatural miracle dimension you can overcome opposition. It is a supernatural dimension that brings you into your inheritance. Think about Caleb. He's 45 years He survived the wilderness. He survived five years of fighting in the land. Think about how God had protected them from assaults. Again and again, they would face enemies and God protected them. That is what blessing can do. You can be protected. I don't care what people are dreaming up. I don't care what demons are planning. There's blessing that can protect you from assaults. The blessing of God can help you overcome mistakes. Caleb had gone through their failures as a people at Ai and Gibeon. And yet God was still able to bring him through. Isn't that's good? Is there anybody here you've ever made a mistake? Anybody? Or is that only a Prescott thing? Thank God. You know what? God has to help us survive ourselves. But people who are blessed, God will do that. And the blessing will give you guidance to bring you where you need to be. Joshua 14, 2. Their inheritance was by lot as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half tribes. Think about this. This is such an interesting term by lot. Scholars will say this could have been kind of like rolling dice or maybe it was choosing the short stick or various versions, whatever it was. God had planned for Caleb, he was of the tribe of Judah, this was where God planned for him to be. I want to tell you, if you keep your heart right over time and stay connected to God's man, if you keep the spirit and stay on task, God can guide you exactly where you need to be. I've pioneered twice, Lisa and I have pioneered twice, I don't don't have time, I'm not even going to tell you, but... In both instances, God, we wound up exactly where we needed to be. Not no, I had no, where, I don't, no angel was telling me. But then we're led as like, this was God. That has to do with the blessing in a supernatural dimension. I close with this. I don't know if you saw this in the news. Gelja Sherpa is a 30-year-old guide for on Mount Everest. He was climbing Mount Everest with a client. On the way up to the summit, he found a Malaysian man who was in trouble physically. He was trying to come down from the mountain. They were in the area called the death zone. This means the zone above 26,000 feet. This year alone, at least 12 people have already died in this area. Five of them are still missing somewhere on the mountain. So Gielgia said, I saw someone in danger, a man who needed rescuing and no one else was helping. I made the decision to bring him down to safety before he died up there alone. He had a client, someone who was paying him to take him up. After convincing his client that saving the man's life was more important than reaching the summit, Gielgia wrapped the man in a sleeping mat And began the near impossible feat of getting him down to base camp. That is him. There's a human being wrapped up there. On his back. He got him down several thousand feet over the next six hours. And then another Sherpa joined in. Gelger said, we dragged him on the snow or we carried him in turns on our backs down to camp three. After the man was safely rescued and flown to a hospital. This is what he said. Sherpas are so committed and dedicated to their clients. They will never leave you behind. I experienced it this year. When descending from the summit, I had difficulty. Gail J. organized the rescue team. They brought me down for helicopter pickup and flight to hospital. Listen to this. I am alive today because I had the best dedicated partners. Gail J. kept his focus on what is important. He knew that life isn't about what you achieve. It's about who you're able to save. What do you think Gielgia is going to tell his grandchildren in years to come? Is he going to tell them, "Do you know how much money I made on Everest? I don't know. He's going to tell them, did I ever tell you the time that I carried a man down the mountain? Listen to me. On the 50th anniversary, you know what I'm seeing as I'm looking out over this crowd? I'm seeing people who are saved I don't know whether it was Pastor Warner, whether it's your pastor, or the one who witnessed to you, followed up on you. Listen, can I remind you again what we're doing? I quoted numbers in the beginning. The, the numbers are not, it's not a you know, a stroke on the wall. The reason why that means so much to me is right now, before tonight's announcements, we have. 3,465 churches who all hopefully will understand life is not about what you achieve. It's about who you're able to save. And we are going to send and send and send. Yes, amen. And in every place we send, we're going to preach Jesus who saves. And when they get saved, we're going to disciple them and we're going to send them so that they can save others. That is the strength of our fellowship that I remind you of at the 50-year mark. What needs to happen, we have to re-up. This year, I, I had something very powerful. Or actually, I think it was last year. Norfolk, Virginia. Pastor Carlos Morales got me on a Navy ship doing a tour. And on the ship, he said they are having a re-up ceremony. So what is that? We're on the bridge. Here's a lady, a female sailor who had already done, I don't remember how, 10 years or something. She is there and she brought her uncle who used to be on that very ship. He was the one who was going to read her the oath as she decided to re-up again. Her son was there. Very moving. They presented the son with an award because they said, we realize you are the one who sacrifices. But what she said is, I'm in again. That's what I'm reminding you of. At the 50-year mark, we've, we've laughed, we've looked at photos. But are you in? Again. Hopefully with the spirit you had at the beginning. We're going to survive over time. We're going to receive God through a man. And we're going to commit ourselves to the task that remains. How many of you say amen to that? Thank God. Let's praise the Lord together right now. God, we worship you. Oh, God, thank you for the privilege of being able to do your will. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's bow our heads.
0: Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH sermon podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays,